unicorn line at the 600 metres, racing boldly in the lead from New Merion. Then he's a shocker from Animo, just given a little niggle now by McDonald. And Marquin gets going on Dubai Honor as they flatten for the run home. And it's unicorn line, two lengths clear. Animo's cutting loose. Dubai Honor's cutting loose. This is what we've been waiting for. Unicorn line being grabbed by Dubai Honor and Animo in the middle. It's Dubai Honor hitting the lead from Animo. They beat off Unicorn Line, but Dubai Honor is drawing clear, and William Haggis has done it again. Dubai Honor by three lengths to Animo. Mawunga rattling home into third. He's a shocker fourth. Then Unicorn Line from Numerian. Further back to Modophilia. Then came Zarek from Gear Up, El Patroness, and Alan Kerr was last to finish. Yeah, well, as Darren said, this is what we've been waiting for. It lasted probably about 200 metres when they made their runs together. Animo had been in front of Dubai Honour. They came alongside of each other, but that uh, showdown quickly dissipated. Yeah, I just reckon it's further evidence that these European middle distance horses slash stayers are just simply better than ours. I think our sprinters stand up anywhere. I mean, Nature's Trip went on and, and beat the world last year at, at Royal Ascot. Our sprinters are elite. Um, and I'm not bagging Animo one little bit, but I just think these European horses are just a class above when they come over here. Well, let's talk more about that and many other things because we are absolutely privileged to be able to have a chat with Dubai Honours trainer William Haggis this morning. He won with Adayab in this race in 2020 and 2021 and taken with Dubai Honour yesterday. William, good morning and congratulations. Good morning. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. I was reading this morning... Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, has it been nearly 40 years since you've been to Royal Randwick? <laughs> yeah, that's about right, actually. I came uh, I came for a three-month stint with Brian Mayfield-Smith when he was building a stable at Nebo Lodge in Rose Hill. And um, I raced at Randwick uh, during that time, but uh, haven't been since, sadly. Oh, congratulations again. Just... Go back a step with Dubai Honor for us. Uh, our listeners have all seen what he's done in Australia the last couple of starts, but where did he sort of stand in the scheme of things in England before he came here? What level was he racing at in England? What did you think of him? Did you think he was a star? Um, just run us through his backstory. Well, he, he had an <clears throat> extremely good year. As a, he won a race as a two-year-old, um, and then we gelded him. Uh, because he didn't look like being a, a, a real top, top horse. And that probably made a big difference to him. And as a three-year-old, he did nothing but improve. Kept surprising me. Uh, he won two group, group two races in France. And then we ran him in the Champion Stakes, which is our flagship race in our autumn. And he was second. Uh, I ran a very valiant race, too. Um, and all those races were on soft or heavy ground. Um, then as then he didn't really thrive through the winter, uh, that following winter. And then last year, he he wasn't quite as good. He ran against top horses in top races, but he was never quite right. I don't know why. He just never really, ha we never really had him um, as we wanted him. Um, and he, as I say, he ran some good races. We had a very good horse last year called Baid, and he ran against him a couple of times. Um, and he should have won a Group 2 race at York one day when the jockey went too soon, um, way too soon. Um, so he ran to a good level, but it was five pounds worse than he'd run 
the previous year, but it was still it was still Group Three, Group Two standard in Europe. Um, but this winter, or the winter just gone in England, he really did thrive, and he never grew a coat, uh, which is quite surprising for a gelding. And and you know we knew all through his quarantine that he was in much better shape than he had been throughout the year of 2022. So, you know, you hope, you hope that everything goes right. And then when he won the, the, the round bit, I, I, my main concern was that that wasn't his day, that he was going to continue uh, to improve and that he wasn't going to have that one day in the round bit and then disappoint yesterday. But I'm delighted to say that didn't happen. In the Ranford, he raced closer to the lead, but he showed that acceleration. And I think yesterday, many watching who, you know, we, we saw him in the Ranford, we know Animo really well. And I think Animo was like two pairs in front of him, so he was further back than in the Ranford. But again, showed that great acceleration, just allowed to relax. And then when Mark would ask him to go, he sprinted impressively. Yeah, that's that's right. And I think, I mean, Ryan, he was drawn well in the in the Ranford and... and mm. You know, Ryan took the decision to... I mean, I don't really interfere with top-class jockeys. What am I, who am I to tell them how to ride? So, you know, I just said the most important thing is to get the horse into a good rhythm. And, and he got into a good rhythm in third. And as you say, he picked up really well. And and Ryan was quite... He he sort of led him stride on in the round, but, which is unusual for him. Um, and he gave him a backhander or two. Um so, you know, that, that <clears throat> I don't know whether that says... He said he felt really good after that race, but, you know, he doesn't usually push them out like that if he's going to win. So, um, you know, I, I, look, we were thrilled to win a Group 1 with him, which is what we came down to do. Um, and to win the run, that was great on ground, which we knew or we thought was not going to suit him. And we knew that he was a, a, a good operator on a wet track. There's a theory been going around for a while, and I think it's growing legs now with with some of the horses you've had success with out here. That your um, or European middle distance horses and stars are simply better than uh, you know the the Australians. Um, the Australian sprinters obviously seem to stack up anywhere in the world, but. You know, you get a, um, a good middle distance uh, staying horse, you, you must come here with some confidence given, you know, your history, or I guess knocking off very elegant twice as well. Well, that, yeah, it's a very interesting um, question, Matt. And it's, you know, there's no doubt that that the Australian sprinters are comparable to any in the world. Absolutely no doubt. And nature strips win uh, in the... Uh, Kingstown last year sort of confirmed that he was so dominant. Now we, as a as a nation, uh, have been breeding middle distance horses for a long time, and there has been in the last ten years they've started the breeders have started to breed more commercially and more to speed, uh, and breed sort of not as many in inverted commas classic type horses which is exactly what happens here. And New Zealand used to breed the stairs and used to win lots of races in Australia over the distance of, over a distance of ground. And they went commercial and tried to uh, appeal to the Australian market and stopped breeding stairs because it takes too long. They're not, they're not as, as popular in the sale rig. 
and they're certainly not as uh, as popular with trainers because they take too long to to mature. So uh, we have taken steps in England, and I think it's a good thing to encourage people to not only to breed stairs but to race them. And so the prize money in the staying department has been improved dramatically by our standards, not 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 like yours, uh, to encourage people to breed them, race them, uh, and 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 buy them at the sales. So that has been a recent thing, probably the last two or three years, and that will improve and get legs. And you know, if you look at it really, I know in Australia, in Australia, you have the Everest and and the fast races. But in the majority of countries around the world, um, at Japan, Hong Kong, the Middle East, the top races are over 10, 2,000 metres and maybe 2,400 metres. And your top race is in Melbourne over, over 3,200 metres. So it makes sense to, 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 to purchase and train um, the middle distance horse, but they need time and you need patient people to own them because you know they end up having a very quiet time at two and often at three um but if you give them the time to mature and get better and not over race them then uh, they can come good at four five and six and that's what's happened with Dubaron and that's what happened with the day but here you've got so many valuable races the slipper blue diamond lots of these races that you know why not have a go? So lots of people want to target those. And from a trainer's point of view and an agent's point of view, they're a good sell. You know, every year there must be 250 horses bought that are going to win the Golden Slipper and only one wins. Just as an extension to what you've just said, that's a wonderful insight there. Uh, the health of racing in Great Britain at the moment, and, and health is probably the, the right word. It, it, it's a very general term, what is the health of racing at the moment, there? Well, <laughs> that's another good question. Of course, it's not great at the moment. We're having um, uh, we're having a few problems financially, uh, lots of problems financially. But I, I'm one of the people who are more positive about the future. Um, you know, we're we're in a, a, a big thing with the government who are struggling anyway. Mm. Um, they're producing or about to produce a white paper on on uh, affordability for punters and whether they're going to restrict people or make bookmakers restrict people betting too much. Um, and it's going to be, that could be a bit of a game changer. But I'm more positive. I think Whirlpool is going to be huge in the next five, ten years where we're betting into uh, uh, pools all over the world I think our tote is starting to be reinvigorated because we lost that. Um, that was poorly managed, poorly run for so long um, that, that the tote basically fizzled out and it's been taken over uh, by a few people and, and, you know, it's just changing people's mindsets. But I think the tote will improve over the, uh, over the next 10 years and it's all going to happen when I'm uh, I'm probably under the ground. But... Um, I think that, that, that we've got lots of reasons to be positive. And I think that, and I don't want to sound blasé here because it's, 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 it's wrong to sound blasé, but I think our horses are as good as anywhere in the world, possibly bar Japan. Mm. Um, and, you know, we, we hopefully have shown to a few people 
that that traveling them ac across the world is, is a thing to do and a good thing to do and and honestly the the excitement it generates for for all the countries that get international raiders and by that i mean for nature strip coming up to england is fantastic and it really does make global appeal uh, to to the punters and to the people so the more that we can travel around the world, the better, I think. All of us, and that's including people here coming up to Europe. I know no trainer likes commenting on another horse, but I don't think there's a person better placed on the planet possibly to judge how Animo may go in England if he goes to England. What did you think of Animo yesterday, and do you think if he, if he does go to Royal Ascot, uh, he'll be highly competitive there? Well, I was... I thought he looked absolutely fantastic yesterday, and I thought his behaviour was great. Now, I only saw him in the George Ryder. I thought he didn't look like he behaved very well beforehand in the George Ryder. And, uh, uh, but I'm only saying that from the television in England. But yesterday, he was immaculate. He looked terrific, and he behaved beautifully. And I guess they were a little bit disappointed with the outcome. Um Look, he's obviously a very good horse. He's won nine races. But Dubai Honor will be, uh, or would have been before yesterday, a 25-to-1 pop to win the Prince of Wales, which is our, our standard 10-furlong race in, um, in England. And the mile race, uh, the Queen Anne, will be a strong race as well. It, 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 it'll be very hard for him to be competitive. And I mean that not offensively. Uh, I think it, it's. I think we're really strong at that distance, and uh, I think it'll be hard for him. And and uh, you know, he's done so much in his career. Maybe he doesn't need to come, but uh, we we really hope he does come, uh, and and makes it a more international race. Of course, I know it's three hundred and sixty-four days away. But would you? Are you contemplating? <laughs> resist, you, you know where I'm going. But would, do you plan to come back with the source next year? Dubai on Yeah, uh, obviously, long-term, yeah, we'd love to, I'm sure. Why not? He's he's travelled well. He's proved that uh, he can travel well um, uh, around the world. So, yeah, why not? So just while we're on that, of course, you did it with a Dave in, in 20 and 21. You couldn't be here because of the, the COVID dramas. Can we make any legitimate comparison between Dubai Honor and a Dave? You're the best person to ask. Well, Dave was a wonderful horse, uh, so genuine, so tough. He raced on the speed. He wore his heart on his sleeve. He had some great battles with very elegant, great battles. Um, this horse is, they were, they were pretty similar horses when they left England to come to Australia. Dubai Honor may have been a little bit better, actually, than Dave was. Um, so this horse has done really well, Dubai Honor, here. Um, I don't know whether he's got the durability to go and do it again next year. Uh, if you ask me this time next year, if it's gone as well as it's gone this time, uh, then I'd have to say he's every bit as good as a day. But at the moment, a day was a, a fabulous horse for us, flagship horse for us. He raced so genuinely for so long. He cemented uh, my personal relationship with Tom Mark and who I think is an absolute star, a brilliant rider very strong rider and um so we'll always have great affection both of us for a day uh, but this horse is uh, is not far behind him at the moment 
We'll see him in the QE2 Cup at Sha Tin at the end of the month. At a point you brought up before, and I just want to expand on that too, you, you talked about the global appeal that these carnivals can have with horses travelling, whether it be from A to B or B to A, but also from the jockey point of view, you've mentioned, Tom, but we've seen Purton, we've seen Marrera, we've seen Ryan Moore. That's had a great impetus, impetus to this, this autumn carnival in Sydney. Well, it, it, it should do because they are world-class riders. I mean, Zach Purton's an Australian, um, but Marrera has been fantastic around the world and Ryan Moore is a, a world-class rider. So, you know, it's great for the younger jockeys and the older ones in Australia not that they're pinching their rides, but they're, they're here to grace the stage. And that's what the, the, the championships are about. They're, they're about showing um, that Australia can compete in the world. OK, it didn't happen this time, but you've got some fantastic horses, fantastic riders, fantastic trainers. Uh, and, and, you know, they need to be appreciated around the world. And, and this is the way to do it. And if people want to come... Obviously, the money is very attractive, but the mindset of, of, the, of the chairman and everyone involved at uh, Racing New South Wales and the Australian Turf Club, you know, the, the, this is just goes from strength to strength and needs supporting. I, I, I firmly believe that. And one final question. Dubai Honours has obviously been happy and healthy. The results prove it. Have you enjoyed the Sydney lifestyle <laughs> while you've been here? Yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it? But... I haven't slept a wink. Uh, I, that was my best night's sleep last night, and I woke at 5 o'clock. Uh, I've had uh, runners in England in the middle of the night every day this week, so that hasn't helped. And the things to do, and, uh, you know, it's it's been... Tom and I went out to the track at half past six this morning to see the horses and, um, you know, see my team, who have done brilliantly well, Everyone thinks that when they come to Australia, everyone at home thinks that they've had a, uh, they have a bit of a holiday out here, but it's no holiday. It's it's pretty intense for them. No days off. They work very hard, and and perhaps the biggest proudest thing for me was the horse doing it yesterday for for my team here because you know their their hard work has been justified. And they need all the glory. I'm getting all the glory, which is fantastic for me personally. But it's them that put the shift in and, and they do the work and they have to make their decisions when I'm not here. Obviously, we speak all the time, constantly, but they have to make the decisions and they have to, to, um, to you know, carry out what, whatever things we decide to do. And they have to be diligent, careful, and, and they've pulled it off, and, and fantastic. We're all going out for lunch today. We'll have a bit of a celebration, and then I'll buzz off and go back to reality in England. It's been wonderful to chat. Congratulations, and we look forward to talking again in 2024. Fingers crossed. My pleasure. Thank you.